Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by Millie and Kate Scott. Kate is a Squarespace designer and SEO expert. During today's podcast, you will learn much more about SEO than you ever knew before. Uh, Kate shares fantastic knowledge uh, on SEO and her expertise. Uh, also, you have a good chat about internet security and internet privacy as well. So that's something that's concerning you right now, as it is me, uh, how people are using our data. This is an interesting topic uh, that we talk about on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you find it useful. And if you do find the podcast useful, that we have brought you value, you have learned something about SEO in this episode, then consider going down in the description and checking out the links of ways you can help us out. We've got Design Cut affiliate links, and we've got Crowfoot Waffle merchandise, GeoLaw merchandise available now. And you can also help us out if you want to up your logo design game and quickly export logos uh, by purchasing through our affiliate link and the logo package express by michael fantastic uh, resource fantastic tool but that is all down in the description if you want to help us out for free and not spend any money then an apple podcast review would be really really appreciated thank you very much we hope you enjoy the episode we'll see you at the end this is uh this is Millie's second ever podcast as a host oh so fantastic yeah congratulations Hi. As you, as you can tell, I'm so pretty new to it. It's okay. Yeah, this is only my is third podcast as a guest, and I've never hosted one. So, oh, really? yeah, there you go. Fairly new to me still. Um, Sorry, uh, I guess... <laughs> <laughs> so we should start off with uh, who you are, what you do, and uh, what you're all about. All right. Uh, well, um, my name is Kate Scott, and I am a strategic Squarespace designer, and I specialize specifically in building websites and website templates for women-owned service-based businesses. So I have a very specific little niche. Nice. That's a a cool niche. That is really cool. Do you find that 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 helps you get clients having a very specific niche? I know a lot of people say that niching down is like a really good thing to do to help. Yeah, I think it's helped me. And, you know, it's not the smallest niche. You know, there are a lot of people mm. who focus, focus on a very specific industry, like photographers or something like that. Um, so this gives me a little bit of flexibility and range, but it still targets a very specific type of person. And I find that really helpful. Um, and part of that niching down is really in my design style. It comes across visually. And I think that that is probably the main driver of who my clients are, because, you know, they're always looking at, yeah. well, what, what do I like, you know? Yeah, definitely. I agree. Because you, yeah, you can tell that your your design style is sort of like very sleek and modern. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, see the target market there. Yeah, yeah it's very, very cool. So, so what do designers need to know about SEO? Because that's what we're both wondering. <laughs> yeah, where do we need. Where yeah. do we start? SEO. Yeah, it's well, it's true. And SEO is so there's so many different facets of it. I mean, I think Google has said that they have over 200 ranking factors. And so, yeah, well, and so the big struggle is figuring out what do I focus on that's actually going to work? And, you know, how do I not be overwhelmed by all of these different things? Um, Because if you get too scattered, and you don't focus on the things that really move the needle, you'll end up not getting anywhere. And that's, that's really the struggle. so I think there's there's four things that I've noticed in my business. Um, right now, I've been in business, in the design business specifically for a year, um, and I now rank on page one of Google for um, all three of the major keywords that de- sort of define my industry as a Squarespace designer um, in the US. So what I've learned is that there's four things that I think really move the needle the most, um, that if you focus on these four things, you'll get there a lot faster than if you try and focus on everything. 
Um, so the first one is blogging. And this is something that I think a lot of designers who maybe uh, don't um, focus on the copywriting aspect of web design as much struggle with, but creating consistent content um, that's of a really high quality is, is basically the main driver, I think, of ranking for a lot of different keywords. Because if, you're, if you just have a five-page website, at best, you can rank for maybe five keywords, right? Because you're targeting one on each page. Whereas if you have a blog, you can rank for an infinite number of keywords. And, you know, people may not be looking specifically for a designer. They may be looking for help with their uh, email platform. Um, but they may find you that way and then kind of get into your content and discover your design services. And I found that to be a really reliable way of getting clients. So That's what sort of stuff do we blog about? What sort of stuff should we, as a designer especially, what should we blog about? Well, obviously web design is a good topic to start with broadly. Um, if you design websites on a specific platform like WordPress or ShowIt or something, then um, blogging about that specific platform, um, technical tutorials are great. Those okay. bring in a huge amount of traffic. And if you can establish yourself as an authority on the particular platform or platforms that you focus on, through SEO and through blogging, then you can get a lot of clients that way who just come in and say, oh, this person knows what they're talking about. So I'm going to mm -hmm. hire them. Mm -hmm. So that would be one thing. I also think personally, something that I found very useful and that I've had a lot of positive real world feedback on from clients and anyone else who lands on my website is blogging about business in general. If you're serving okay. small businesses or if you're serving photographers, blogging about photography and how to succeed as a photography business. If you're blogging um, about, you know, um, interior design and you serve interior designers, whatever niche you serve, blogging things that are going to be useful for your particular audience. So, so that makes sense. So I've got a friend called uh, Cole Gray who, who does a lot of YouTube videos about um, well, facing towards uh, their client, sorry, facing towards mm -hmm. the client and trying to get the client to understand what design is and um, trying to help the client understand what sort of logo they should have and, and stuff like that. Is, is that sort of being seen as uh, an expert in the field, that right. sort of stuff and, and linking back to the website? And I mean, there's so much you can we can talk about um, that we don't yeah. know. Yeah, well, yeah. And it, it's, it's basically the idea of establishing yourself as, as an authority is that I think, you know, a lot of clients expect more of their designers than just design, right? They expect almost like um, a, a business coach, right? Because you're helping them not only create a design, but something that's going to help them grow their business. And if you can establish that you have the knowledge about their industry to help them do that beyond just design, then you will automatically have more rapport with them. And, you know, they'll look up to you more. They'll probably take your advice more because I know that's something that a lot yeah. of designers struggle yeah. with is clients making bad decisions. Um, so if you can establish your authority, not only is it great for bringing clients in the door, but it's actually really productive for forming a relationship with your client that um, where you can actually accomplish great things together. Mm. Yeah, that trust, that trust of uh, mm -hmm. not having to make the logo bigger or not having to change yeah. the color for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Sort of having a belief in you to build them essentially a brand more than just like a website, if you know what I mean, like helping them exactly. build their, biz their business up from the yes. ground rather than it just being like the online presence. That's mm -hmm. what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you can also branch out your services that way a little bit. Like I don't just do web design. I also do hourly consulting now. 
And part of that is consulting on design, but part of it is consulting on how to grow their business generally, because that's really what they're looking for. Ultimately, it's mm -hmm. it's not that they're purchasing a design, they're purchasing a transformation in their business. How do I get to the next level? Um, and so if you can incorporate that into your whole framework, um, I think it, it, you'll be a lot more successful. I like that. Purchasing a transformation in their business. Yeah. That's, a good, that's a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> that is really good. Yeah, um, well. So, so. Just remind me what number one was again. Sorry, my brain has, has lost it. No, it's no. We all have quarantine brain, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, blogging. So blogging, right. content yeah, creation um, is really. And you know, a couple of tips on that is that I see a lot of people blogging like 500 word blog posts, um, and those are fine once in a while. But if you really want to rank on Google, focus on quality and comprehensiveness. So the posts that rank highest on Google typically have more than 2,500 words. Now, you don't always have to go that high, but um, I find that as long as I keep it usually above a thousand words, um, I target like 1500 most of the time. Um, that makes a huge difference in terms of how high I rank. And the posts that rank okay. the highest are the most comprehensive. Like I have a, um, I have a post on um, Flowdesk, which is an email marketing platform um, that's well over 2000 words and that ranks number one. So you know, making sure that it's as comprehensive as possible, that you're providing as much information as possible in that post um, is really gonna help. Um, and just, you know, thinking of all of the questions that someone might have on the topic that you're writing about is a good way to approach it. Um, you know, approaching it from, if you were searching for this, what kind of information would you want? Thinking about the searcher's intent um, more than just keywords or, you know, something like that. It's important to do keyword research, but it's important to go beyond that as well because Google is getting more and more sophisticated in terms of how they rank things. And they're not just looking for, do you use this keyword seven times in your blog post? They're looking yeah. for, is this really gonna provide value to people? And their algorithm has a million different ways of figuring that out. Is there a way of keeping up with the algorithm? Because it seems like it just changes <laughs> and <they're> like. <laughs> you know, everyone gets hit with the algorithm sometimes. Even the right. best SEO experts get knocked down sometimes because the algorithm changes. But I really think the best way to keep up with the algorithm, because that's a great question, is, is how do you stay ahead of it, right? Um, and I think the best way is to understand what is Google going for here? What is the purpose of all of their algorithm changes? It's to serve their audience, their searchers, with the most relevant content. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing is to create the most relevant content. It's to think about what does someone mean when they're searching for this keyword. A great example is I just did keyword research for a client recently um, who's a virtual assistant, and I noticed that the majority of search results when you Google virtual assistant, they're not people, they're not um, looking for virtual assistant, they're looking on how to become one. So targeting that keyword, even though it seems like the most intuitive keyword to target, is actually not a great idea if you're actually trying to get clients for your virtual assistant business. Um, and so instead, I came up with alternative keywords that she could use, like hire a virtual assistant or um, you know something along those lines that was more, um, it, it aligned more with the searcher's intent. That's really, really important. Yeah. That's, I think that, that's probably something that a lot of designers forget. It's quite easy mm -hmm. to sort of advertise your own work and write what you want to write. But when you actually think about what people would be looking for to land on your website, it's not necessarily the most intuitive or obvious thing to, exactly. to write yeah but i think it's similar as well to social media where we have this we post our design work and we have this audience of designers and we, we actually want to have an audience of clients 
And if we're mm-hmm. targeting, if, if we're like blogging and switching it more towards uh, clients, then maybe our social media audience will also switch. Yeah. Eventually. That's so, what they say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I totally understand that with social media because I struggle with the same thing. It's very different than a search engine and it's harder mm. to, to target those exact people. So yeah, for sure. Um, but with SEO, it is easier because you can just, whatever you're writing about, you can plug it into Google and you can see this is what people are searching for. So you have your answer immediately. That's very true. Yeah. How, how do you, wait, what do you mean plug it into? <laughs> Sorry. What do like you mean if you're searching for keywords related to virtual assistant, again, you would just yeah. type in virtual assistant. Into oh, Google right. and you can, yeah, see you can immediately mm-hmm. see what types of results are popping up. You know what I mean? Um, and you can kind of get a feel for what the intent is there um, much more easily than with social media. It's really just, you're throwing your stuff out there and whoever hoping will people like it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hoping. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, I, I got I got thrown off by the word plugin. Uh, you said plugin. I was like, oh, you said it's a plugin for the website. Well, what should I be doing? <laughs> um, no, that's 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 a great tip. Um, blogging blogging is one that I'm, we're trying to do at the Creative Waffle a bit more. Uh, yeah. we're, we're writing up um, sort of show, well, almost show notes, but more um, more just like our thoughts based on the episode and uh, sort of what we look what we got out of the episode or key points from the episode. So. I mean, this this one will be huge, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's it's been it's been good. Um, I'm not sure if it's helping because I haven't checked, but um, I'm sure it's, <laughs> I'm sure it will be. But uh, you'll get yeah. there. It takes time. It took me right. pretty much a full year from the time I started blogging with purpose and intention to ranking on page one for those primary keywords. Now you can rank on page one for a lot of other keywords, related keywords, more quickly, but to get on page one of that like primary industry keyword takes time. So it's, it's, it's a long-term strategy, but once you get there, it's easier to hold on to it than it is to hold on to social media followers or, um, you know, post brain, whatever the measurements of success are in social media. It's a lot easier to, to kind of maintain that. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I, so when you're searching for yourself, trying to check if you're on page one, do you just type in the keyword? Yeah, exactly. I just type in the keyword. And if you sign up for Google Search Console, which is a great tool to use um, and you connect it to your website, um, oftentimes when you search for keywords that you're ranking for, a little box will pop up and it'll show you how your ranking has changed over the last seven days, what your average ranking is for the month, all that sort of stuff. So it's really helpful to to use that as a tool. Okay. Yeah. Is there any other tools that you can use to to have that? Um, So... In terms of understanding your ranking, I think Google Search Console is the best, but there are a couple of other tools that I recommend if you want to get serious about SEO. Um, So my favorite tool, which is um, free, there's a premium version, which is actually still really affordable, but uh, for doing keyword research is Ubersuggest um, by Neil Patel. And that is fantastic for keyword research. So you just type in the keyword that you're thinking of using, and it gives you two of the most important metrics um, on that keyword. So those are um, the competition. You want to pick keywords that are less competitive if possible, because otherwise you're going to have a much harder time ranking for them, right? Um, And you want to pick keywords that have as much traffic as possible. So if you can find that sweet spot where you have a lot of traffic to that keyword, a lot of people searching for it, and not a lot of competition, you have a real chance of winning. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's similar on YouTube when when I use, um, uh, what is it called? One, One Buddy? No. You but no, what's it called? Is it Tube Buddy? That's it. <laughs> there's a there's a thing called Tube Buddy on YouTube which does a similar thing. It tells you of uh, rankings of of keywords and all sorts and thumbnails and well, titles and gives you loads of great advice. It's um it's been really useful. So yeah. I have to check it out for websites. 
Right? Yeah, and that's TubeBuddy is pretty much, I think, the YouTube equivalent of, of kind of an Uber Suggest. And Uber Suggest okay. always, also has tools to help you figure out how your website is performing, um, how your website is doing in terms of like how many backlinks do you have coming into your website, um, things like that. You can, you can plug your website in as well and view some really important metrics. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, it's my favorite tool for keyword research. Um, and then another tool that I really recommend if you have the budget for it, this is one of those pricey ones that it's like, it's a luxury. And honestly, I don't pay for it each month. Um, I think you can definitely succeed without it. But if you want to take it a step further, there's SEMrush, um, which has a whole suite of SEO tools. But my favorite is the, um, it's a tool that you can connect with like Google Docs. And when you write your content, you can plug in your target keyword and it will actually tell you how to optimize your content um, for that target keyword. So it'll actually suggest related keywords to use as well as, you know, in addition to your core keyword that will help you rank higher on Google. And the few um, blog posts that I've used with it have always done well, like very well. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I recommend, you know, even if you don't want to sign up for the premium version, because I think it's like $100 a month. Um, there's a seven day free trial, like take those seven days and binge write as much content as you can with it and, and yeah. then cancel because it's really worth it. Um, just to have that for a few, for a few key pieces of content. That's, uh, that's similar to, um, yeah, that, well, for young designers, I mean, that's similar to, uh, Skillshare and like just taking yeah. the free trial mm -hmm. and then and then signing up with another email or something like that. Um, yeah, we're always yeah. we're all about that over here. Like all, all about the free trials, especially for <laughs> designers. Absolutely, you yeah. use it yeah. as much as you can, as quickly as you can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, is there anything else on blogging before you, you move on to the second point? Um, I you know I think that blogging. A lot of people are deterred from blogging because it seems overwhelming, right? Creating content yeah. is time consuming. Um, it requires writing skills, which not every designer feels comfortable with writing. I come from a blogging background. I, I spent, I've spent now 10 years blogging um, and it takes time. And so I would say just to encourage people, you won't be a great blogger overnight. It's not, it takes um, doing it over and over and over again. And eventually you actually realize that you're good at it <laughs> and it will come. It, you don't have to be an amazing writer to blog well, you just have to know how to kind of play the game a little bit because blogging is very different from any other type of writing. Um, so if you just do it consistently, um, it will come eventually and eventually brainstorming blogging, blog post ideas will also come easier. Um, it used to be so difficult and now it's it's not so, and I wasn't, you know, a fantastic writer before I started. I just learned over time. So if you learn over time, you'll do just fine. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something I'm not good at, <laughs> and I still do. So hopefully, too impatient. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people that just sort of like, if I have an idea, I'll do it, and if it doesn't work out, then I'll deal with it afterwards. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, so if there's, there's probably loads of blog posts on the on the website which need taking down or need rewriting. Yeah. Um, well, everybody has that, right? So. Yeah. And you know, again, if you already have a massive budget and your your business is doing very well, you can always outsource it to a copywriter. But most of us can't do that. So. Yeah, I was going to say, Millie, how's our budget looking yeah. for, uh, for this one? <laughs> Straight out of uni and yeah, trying yeah. to get as much work as possible. Yeah, just do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what I'm paying. Paying Tom, my budget is, is as much money as I'm getting paid or willing to put into it. So I'm paying Tom to edit the uh, edit the audio for the podcast. So, and he's done a great job for um for the ones I have sent to him. So yeah, we'll see if we can stretch helpful. to SEO. Editing yeah. audio is 
very time consuming. It's more time consuming than SEO, I think, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe, we, a lot. <laughs> maybe we should put some budgets into it, put, put some of the some dollars into it. Um, but no, that's good. Blogging is a great start. Um, so what's next on the list? What, what else do we need to learn? So one thing that um, has emerged as a very important ranking factor is setting up a Google business profile. Um, so this is really important, not just for local businesses that are serving a specific locality, but for any business that's um, serving anyone anywhere in the world. Um, I found that just from setting up my profile, I didn't even optimize it. I mean, I just added a little few words about my business just from setting it up and verifying my business. Um, I jumped three rankings up, you know, from where I was. Um, wow. Obviously, Google values that because it's a Google tool and you're using Google. So um, that's that's a really big ranking factor. I would definitely put in, um, you know, when they ask you to add locations that you serve, um, I would definitely put in your locality, but also you can just add in random cities. If you serve people internationally or around the country, just enter some random, you know, big cities that... Um, where you might have a lot of potential clients and you'll be more likely to pop up in those results as well. So you can just sort of use it that way um, because they do have an option for adding in service areas and not just your location. No, I didn't know that because uh, before I just, I just posted it into a random street address in London. <laughs> um, I didn't, cause I'm not in London. So I just, I said, well, people are going to find me uh, London bang street address, random street. Address. So yeah. maybe that's maybe, yeah, maybe I should do that. Yeah. Interesting. See, I, I, I added... a... oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I no, use the, serv the services side of it, uh, like the areas that you service, sorry, um, because I didn't want to put my home address. But right. I did mm -hmm. I did literally just put, like, Kent, because <laughs> I thought that's, that's where I am. I suppose you, you can put, yeah. yeah, you can put loads of places, because mm -hmm. you do serve anyone anywhere. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that now you can add in, um, you can, like, outline your services on your profile. You can outline if you have any digital products, you can add those. Um, so just, you know, bulk out your profile as much as possible. And that will, that will definitely help. But having a Google business profile makes a big difference. And, you know, I would encourage, and I haven't really done this a whole lot, but um, encouraging people to leave reviews who you've mm -hmm. worked with or who have purchased a product from you is really, really helpful. Um, I have noticed a strong correlation in client sites. Um, the more positive reviews they have, the higher, they more likely they are to come up top in the search results. So. Mm, yeah the review thing that's, that's a good point yeah i've had I've had a few people leave reviews on, on my old when it's called blue deer design when I, when I used to do some design work under that name um yeah i always i always thought it helped but i was never sure i never i really really dived into seo that much so now it's now's the time to to really start thinking about yeah. it especially for the podcast yeah, yeah. i've always heard is it you the main things i've heard about seo is, is the reviews uh google business page and blogging and that's that's all i've really heard so yeah. Um, so well, those are two of the most important, so that's a good thing to right. focus on. Yeah. Well, and the great thing about the Google business profile is that it's so simple. It doesn't mm. take... Blogging is a sustained effort over a period of months, you know. The Google business profile is something you can do overnight and experience a quick uplift, you know. So that's that's really good. We all like that. Instant gratification. <laughs> it <laughs> is. what we want. So little yeah. with SEO is instant, so you might as well yeah. take it when you can. Take as much as you can, yeah. <laughs> Does, does right. linking it to your social media accounts help? You know, I haven't really noticed a huge difference either way. Um, it might, but I wouldn't. I I think more about the location and the reviews than I would about that. But again, if you can 
at it, then at it. You know, that's that's my policy with Google. If you can give them all the information they want, give it to them and they'll probably reward you somehow. <laughs> Stealing hot data as always. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, no, no one ever says like, oh, I'm just going to do my SEO for Bing search results. Like It's always Google. Right? It's always Google, yeah. <laughs> well, and I use Bing. I prefer Bing as a search really? engine, but hardly anybody does. <laughs> and wow. so it doesn't really have much of an impact on, you know, on why'd SEO. Why do you prefer Bing? I find that the search results are usually better and they have fewer ads. Mm, the ads, yeah, mm. you've seen the new adverts on Google. They're driving me mad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember so, when I was younger. I know, I'm a weirdo with that. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I used to have Bing as my default set on my computer and I didn't know how to change it. So every time I opened up my browser, I would just go straight to Bing and search for Google. <laughs> just go straight to Google that way. All I used Bing for. What was that saying? Like the most searched thing in Bing is Google. I think I swear that's. Yeah. Oh. I swear that's a real thing. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> there's, yeah. um, there's all sorts of search engines there. Like uh, the one that always gets advertised to you on uh, on YouTube adverts is Ecosia. That one that, that they're planting. I really like that one. I use that yeah. on my personal account. Yeah. You know, they have, what I like about it is that if you're searching for images, um, if you look at, if you pull up like three browser windows and you compare side by side the Google image search results, the Bing search results, and the Ecosia image search results, they're much more aesthetically pleasing. Like they, there's not as much of a border around them. They appear bigger and they're just like more interactive. Like you kind of Mm -hmm. can, I don't know. But yeah, I really like Ecosia for that reason. So I almost always go to them when I'm searching for images. Nice. Oh, okay. oh, they're, they're, they're really good. Um, they seem like a really good company. I mean, I can't endorse them. I've never used it in the search engine, but um, they seem like the the advert says that they're planting uh, trees every time people search for things. So, oh, they're that yeah. one. I have heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that as well. Just, you know, like you feel like you're doing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Helping plant the trees. Yeah. So how do they they planted money, a lot then? of trees since they started, too. Yeah, I bet. I mean, yeah, how, how do they make money? Do they make money from the adverts they put on their search engine? Um, I, you know, I think it's, I, I can't remember how they, I read all about it at one point and now I can't remember. Um, but I, I'm not sure that they actually make a profit as a company. I can't remember if they're like a nonprofit or they're structured in a certain way, but I mean, right. obviously their employees take home a, a paycheck, but um, they, they do things very differently from most search engines. Yeah. And they're also a little bit more private. Like they don't take as much of your information, which I also like. This is the thing. This is another thing about social social media and uh, search engines is is the privacy side of it. I was saying to, to both of you, but just before we started, is that I deleted my Facebook account. Um, mm. Well, actually, that's a lie. I've, I'm, I've downloaded all the data. I'm about to delete my mm. Facebook account. Um, and I've deleted most of my old Instagram accounts and my Twitter, old, old Twitter accounts. I've just got one for my, my design work, which I don't post on, but it's, I'm keeping it because I post design work eventually. And then I've got the podcast one. So, yeah, I mean privacy. What people are constantly talking about it and worried about it, and who has it, and all sorts. Do you? And I, I know friends that have, have moved um, to farms and like and just gone off the grid. And that's you know, I've had it. that urge myself, so I get it. <laughs> I think we all have. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very invasive. It's getting to the point where um, I feel like it robs you of your sense of personhood a little bit because you're just a yeah. number in a database, basically, or in a lot of databases. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's a real, that's a real concern of mine as well. I think that a lot of online business owners struggle with that too, because it's like, you have to be online, your footprint has to be there. And yet there's a lot, you know, there's a big party that doesn't want to be there at all. 
Um, so yeah. that's definitely a tug of war. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, there's um. It's it's difficult when your sort of business um, relies on you being mm-hmm. online. Yeah. And so it's not even like you could say, right, I'm going to detox for a few weeks because your business would suffer. Right? You need to, you need to be there. Right. So. Yeah. Um, but you know, the other side of that is that having an online presence, um, can be useful if you end up, and obviously, you know, this happens to a minority of people and you always hope that it doesn't happen to you. But if you ever end up being targeted by, you know, a stalker or someone who tries to ruin your reputation just out of revenge or something like that, I mean, revenge porn has been a huge thing as well. Um, you, by having a presence, um, you're more likely to show it first in the results as you, you representing yourself rather than someone else representing you because you could be completely offline and still be a target. If the internet exists, you can be a target, whether you're off-grid or not. So, that's very true. I didn't know. think about that. That's a no, good I've point. I've never thought about that. That's the struggle, I think, is because there's no way to completely escape from d- the digital world if someone else decides that you shouldn't be able to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not so, completely up to you, is it? Mm-hmm. No. So a lot of... Um, Security firms who deal with people who have um, been targeted for some reason um, recommend actually creating your own website with your own name because, again, you'll show up first. If people are trying to look for dirt on you, you want your representation of yourself to be the first thing that people find and not something nasty or petty or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to. I've got a couple of friends who are really serious about this. They're called Luke and Mark Roberts. So- I don't know if they listen to this, but they might do. Um, and they're really, they're, into, they're really into it, and uh, really into the, the, getting off social media and like, having browsers like, um, is it Op- Opera? Opera? Um, I don't know. I've made made it up probably. But there's a, social, there's a browser that's really, uh, really details in um, in privacy, and, uh, and yeah, so, so they're all into that. And we should probably get them on the podcast to chat about it because I think that's an important topic right now. Uh, Especially when like things like the government when when Brexit happened over here in the UK, that there was that big um, documentary about how the government used uh, adverts on Facebook mm. and worked with Facebook to to target people and um, sort of sway and it actually did sway their opinion um, and the way they voted. They targeted people that were in the middle, like weren't sure what to vote, and then and yeah, and then we ended up with Brexit. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a real thing, and it's a real thing that. A lot of people don't understand, so it's a it's an issue we need to discuss. Yeah, sure. Yeah, one great way to address that issue, um, particularly the seeing adverts and stuff, because obviously we had the same situation here with the 2016 election. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Um, so, but a couple ways around that, like you said, using a good browser that you know maintains your privacy. Um, I really like Firefox; um, has better mm. privacy settings. Or you That's can go with one. something yeah. like, um, if you really wanted to go to extremes, you could use um, the Tor browser. Um, which is used for more than just accessing the dark web. It's an actual legit <laughs> browser. Um, but also the the thing about the Tor browser is that it has a built-in VPN. So I actually use a VPN called NordVPN, um, uh, yeah. which means that you can set your location at somewhere other than where you are. So um, if I wanted to just avoid US adverts, I can just set my VPN to a UK server, for example. All right, that's not much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's um, about as well but, that's but and it point. also helps keep your your information private like if you're on a public network or something like that so um and i don't mm-hmm. use it all the time but it can it can be helpful for certain things you know would you use it on your phone do you, do you have it on your phone as well or is it just your laptop yeah i have nordvpn on my phone as well 
That's yeah. one for for public Wi-Fi. We have quite a lot of public Wi-Fi here in the UK, especially mm. around London. Uh, I've always wondered about that. Even on the tube stations, we have it now. So it's it's an interesting one. I think we definitely should have it. But um, I've always thought, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? And then you find out and you start reading about it. <laughs> Pretty bad. That's a dangerous saying, right? Yeah. Um, I really like NordVPN because it's super cheap and it's really fast. That's a struggle with VPNs is because they're routing you through another server. They can be sluggish. And I mean, I can watch Netflix, stream Netflix, no problem on, on Nord. So yeah, I really recommend that one. This, this is interesting because I've seen a lot of uh, YouTube videos have adverts for VPNs and sponsorships and partnerships with, with adverts. Um, so how, is it, I, mean, I guess they are legal. They must be legal because they're so popular these days. So yeah. they're obviously legal. I don't know, do you know much about that side of it? How, how, how are they legal and, um, and and why are they so popular? And yeah. Well, I think a big reason why they're so popular is because so many people are working on public Wi-Fi networks. And so uh, using a VPN just protects you from hackers on the same network. Like if you go to Starbucks and you happen to be sitting next to, you know, someone who has malicious intent or whatever, um, yeah. using a VPN will protect you from that. Um, so I think that's the biggest reason why they're popular. And that's certainly like whenever I stay in a hotel, I always, you know, connect to the hotel Wi-Fi network. Mm -hmm. And then I use a VPN, particularly when I'm doing banking, right? That's, you that's don't want one. people to get that. You know, I'm not as concerned about and someone, you know, gets my Google searches or whatever. I'm mm -hmm. more concerned about, are they going to get personal information that they can use to steal my identity or something like that? Um, so a VPN is very, very helpful for that. Um, I would be shocked if, if the government made them illegal, I mean, that would be an incredible violation of privacy. Um, and it would also remove that protection from a lot of people as well. Um, and it's not the only step that you should take. I mean, when it comes to preventing identity theft online, I think one of the biggest things, I don't know how it's done in the UK, but here we have three major credit bureaus. Um, and so what I do is I keep all of my credit um, frozen, my credit reports frozen so that no one can access them unless I unlock it. Um, you might have to Matt, explain just, that one to me. I've got no idea what you're saying. Right. <laughs> so it's way too technical for me. <laughs> when you apply for like a credit card, for example. All right, yeah. Um, the credit card company goes to these three major credit bureaus to um, verify your credit score uh, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So if you don't have those reports locked, someone else can apply for a credit card in your name. Mm. Ah, okay. So it makes it impossible pretty much for that to happen. You, they would just, if someone else tried to do that and those credit reports are frozen, they would just be denied immediately. Um, so that's, that's how that works. So there's lots of, and it, I mean, identity theft in and of itself is such a vast topic <laughs> that you can easily get lost in all the different vulnerabilities that there are and how many ways there are to protect yourself. But I think that, you know, two of the biggest are just, keeping if you know I don't, again i don't know how it's done in the uk but if there are credit bureaus i'm assuming there's some kind of credit there bureau are, yeah, yeah yeah keeping those reports locked down so that no one else can access them and just taking steps to keep yourself safe online i've got no idea how how i find my because I, I applied for um a credit card uh earlier on this well like just back into last year because i've read a lot about it did a lot of research and you can check out the creative for blog post about it and uh, about finance personal finance but um yeah it's, it's it's interesting especially when you're thinking about moving and trying to get a house and applying for mortgages and stuff to get your credit rating up so check yeah, it out definitely. but um yeah. but, but yeah, I will because I'm poor with finance so <laughs> <laughs> but I've got I, no idea about... I think all of us are a little bit in the design world we all struggle with that yeah. a bit 
yeah, yeah. I just bought a new hard drive, and that's that's cost me a bit of money. But uh, I think it's shiny things like that, shiny things like like tools and kit things. But um, uh, what was I saying? Uh, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't know how to access my credit. Uh, I don't know credit bureau. I, I, I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know even where to start with that. So I have to bring up my bank and yeah. find out. It's a good thing to look into. Well, you know, I only got started really understanding how that whole system works and protecting myself because um, I can't remember what year. A few years ago, Equifax, which is the major credit bureau, one of the major credit bureaus in the United States, had a massive data breach. And my oh. my data was leaked. I mean, you know, when I signed up for their sort of security service that tracks, like, is your social um, security number on the dark web. And it was like, yes, of course it is. Your data has been linked along with half of America. Um, So, you know, after that, I took it really seriously because I realized how easy it would be for someone to steal my identity. Um, And now it's not so easy. So (laughs) (laughs) good. Very good. One one thing on on the internet um, security and uh, online security is passwords. Everyone has the same password for everything. And I've been telling everyone around me, don't do it. Um, I'm really bad for that. <laughs> you've got to change it, honestly. I, since probably the start of last year, um, start of the new, I think every, th- I've got a calendar thing on my phone t- to remind, I think it's every six months to change the password and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've got less accounts on social media, it'll be easier. But uh, yeah. I've got them all written down, and I'm not sure how secure this is, but they're all written down on this in this mm-hmm. booklet, um, just so I remember them all. But they're all completely different and don't make don't match at all they're all completely different random numbers and letters i literally just go hammer on the keyboard and that's the password yeah pretty um, much this, yeah same so oh it. you know one great tool that makes that really easy though is LastPass. um it's an app that um it, it'll generate passwords for you and it'll store them in a secure vault um and so then basically all you have to do if, if you like you have a mac with the fingerprint sensor to to enter your your password you just like use your fingerprint or you can click the little, a little thing will pop up next to the um, where you fill in your password and it makes it super super easy um, to just make sure that you have really good passwords for every everything is that the same as keychain like apple keychain um, so keychain is apple's built-in yeah. password and that's also good but the thing about keychain is that it only works with safari um, so if you use other browsers um, LastPass works with all of them which is nice so if you work with chrome and stuff like that it's really yeah. it's really helpful um, so i kind of use a combination of both just because you know Safari, so, the keychain always pops up, so I'm like, okay, fine. But I also use LastPass. <laughs> so, so I've been using, I guess, keychain and Chrome because yeah, and Chrome. so that means Chrome must store its own passwords rather than having it on the keychain. Uh, yeah, it's two separate. I've never considered that. the fact that they're separate. <laughs> yeah, it's just so much easier. Yeah. Oh, easy, bang, enter. Yeah. yeah. So it's no, I guess it's no good if. I must ask a point actually. What's the point in having secure passwords if they're all saved to the same place on your laptop anyway? So if someone yeah. steals your laptop, they've got all your accounts. Uh, well, I guess that's when you have to secure your laptop, right? Yeah. yeah. Make sure you have a good password on there. Um, and, you know, I think, I, I'm not sure if Apple yet has developed, because I know that you can erase your iPhone remotely, and I'm not sure if you yeah. can do that with your computer yet, but there should be. I think you can, but I might be lying. That's that's the thing you I mean back everything up so that if somebody steals your computer you can just go and erase it and it's going to be fine. Mm, that's a good um, idea. High yeah. gross cloud. That's another yeah. thing like all these celebrities getting iClouds I hacked and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, I don't Scary. like using iCloud. It's it scares yeah. me though. It's scared. Online mm-hmm. security is a big thing and it it, it worries me deeply. Um, mm, yeah. yeah. Well, I can just keep looking into it and keep doing. 
doing things. Especially, so I'm, I'm following a bit of a, a strange minimalism uh, route right now, and I've been watching a lot of videos and trying to get a bit simpler. And I basically just felt so so fuzzy in my head and get distracted all the time. And um, so I, f- I found the a slight path of minimalism and trying to go down it. They wouldn't see it by the, my backdrop. So much, so much stuff around. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a minimalist by any means, but I'm, I like the idea of it, and I'm following it, um, going down it anyway, starting. To, but so yeah, I mean, the, the whole internet security stuff's a big part of that. And uh, yeah, it's hard to be a minimalist when in the digital world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's becoming more like you know I for the longest time I didn't have a cell phone at all. Like for most of my adult life so far, I have not had a cell phone because I just didn't want one. You know. Mm. And now it's like you have to have one just for two-factor authentication to keep your account safe. And it's just becoming an increasingly complicated um, world to live in. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's too bad. And it can oh, be so over- overwhelming, can't it? Mm-hmm. Like there, there is, you can't do it simply. There's just too much information. There's too much stimuli. There's too much going on at, at all times. To, no, we're to all developing to... ADD. You know, I mean, I, my attention span has gone way down in the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's yeah, a good well, point. And I think that's that's potentially something that young designers and people sort of coming into the industry now might, might suffer with a lot more because mm. we've sort of grown up with the social media through school and come out and it's like the instant gratification thing is such a big thing as well. Like you say with, with blogging, you've got to wait, say, a year before you do it. A lot of people will be like, well, I don't want to wait that long. <laughs> I just want to be able to right. press a button and it, like, it works. Like, I think people's patience and attention is just so low nowadays yeah i no i I completely agree i think i mean i was sort of at the very beginning i'm 28 so i i grew up in the 90s and early 2000s and i feel like it was just starting then and but i i got I, i escaped it when i was very young and i think i'm really thankful for that because i don't know how kids focus at all these days like you know they're they're staring at ipads from the time they're three years old or younger so um it's it's a big difference yeah it definitely affects the brain scary scary yeah. stuff yeah well we should probably get back to the uh the yeah, SEO SEO, yeah. <laughs> down the the rabbit trail by the way i have a blog post um i don't know if you want to link to it in the show notes but yeah, it's about will. how to keep your business data secure oh, um nice. and it's just like a, a list of things that you can do so yeah cool uh so what's number three on on the list of seo out of four <laughs> um so backlinks backlinks are huge um the more back other websites that you have linking back to your website, the more authority Google thinks you have. Um, so having backlinks is really, really important. And there's a few different ways that you can, it seems like something that you wouldn't have a lot of control over, um, but you can sort of build backlinks yourself. Um, one great way to do that is by guest posting on other websites or other blogs. Um, so, you know, I haven't done a whole lot of that, but even just a little bit makes a big difference. Every backlink that you get that's legitimate and from a good website, mm-hmm. it really does help. Every, every little bit helps. Um, so again, posting quality content on those websites, basically just the same as what you would um, post on your blog, just quality, comprehensive, um, as much as possible. Um, the other thing is you can join like industry directories um, for example, in the U.S., we have like the Chamber of Commerce. Every every city has a local Chamber of Commerce. So signing up for that and having your listing on the Chamber of Commerce or um, having your website listed on um, professional directories in your industry, um, like there's the Creative Lady directory is, is one that I joined. Um, all of those backlinks that are legit and high quality um, can really help boost your ranking. So 
Um, and anytime, you know, blogging kind of gets pulled into this because when you create high quality blog content, other people will notice that and they will start to link to it from their own website. Like I found this great guide and that can really help you rank as well. So um, just creating um, really valuable information for people to consume is, is going to go a long way towards helping you build backlinks as well. I really like that one because it's so easy to do as well. Like it's so easy to, to mm -hmm. ask someone to put your article or, or write a really good article and then ask them someone to put on their yeah. website or um, or help someone else out on link, like you said, link back to their website, your website. So yeah, really, really, really interesting and easy point to do. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of what backlinks have the greatest impact, I mean, any legitimate backlink that's not like a link farm type of link um, is good, but the two um, things that will help you the most is getting links from other websites that are within the same industry. So for example, um, if a copywriter were to link to my website and another Squarespace designer were to link to my website, the Squarespace designer would be the more valuable link. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is the more high profile the website linking to you, the more you know, SEO uh, love is, is shared. Um, so, you know, if the New York Times links to you, it's going to be a lot more valuable than if uh, your cousin's blog on fishing links to you, you know what I mean? Um, so those are some things to keep in mind as well. I like that. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's, really, that's really covered that point. So uh, nice. Yeah, what's, number, what's number four on this? What's the final uh, major key point? So this is where um, designers will love this because it really is their, their area of expertise, and that is mobile design. Oh. Um, Google has rolled out now for many websites, not all websites on the web, but they're moving towards mobile-first indexing. And what that basically means is that they're not using the desktop version of your site anymore to determine your ranking. They're using the mobile version. And if your mobile version isn't up to snuff, it's going to make you suffer in the, in the search engine results. Um, so making sure that, you know, it's, it's not just about your website being mobile responsive. That's obviously very, very important. Um, and it, I should note, there's a difference. I, and I'm sure most web designers know this, but there is a difference between mobile friendly design and mobile responsive design. So mobile friendly design usually means that there's a separate mobile version of your website and mobile responsive means that your website adapts to look good on every screen size. So everything from a huge monitor down to an iPhone size and everything in between. And right. Google really prefers mobile responsive design. That's oh, where really? we're moving. That's good. Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> difficult because it's easier to design a good a good mobile site when you can actually design it by itself, right? Separately. Okay, um, right. but Google, you know, it really likes the the mobile responsive design. So if you can have a mobile responsive site, for example, like Squarespace is automatically mobile responsive, but then go in and tweak it with code or something so that it looks better than it just does automatically, then yeah. you're really in a good, good, strong position for SEO. Very cool. Yeah, this is something that, that you know, I struggled with in the past. I mean, it's, as a, as a non-coding designer, um, I, I've never coded a website fully. Um, I've, I've attempted to learn code once, but got bored of it, so... <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. Done. yeah. and, and yeah. so yeah, I've done many different online website builders. From the first one was Moonfruit, which is a really yeah, junky, what like clunky, junky website builder. And then you moved on, and I moved on to I think it was Wix. I think Wix was in there at some point. Those adverts annoy me so much on YouTube. Um, they, they annoy me just about as much as Fiverr adverts on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen them, mm -hmm. yeah, but 
but that, yeah anyway um but yeah and then now i'm with squarespace uh, oh, Squarespace. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and the web the podcast website's on Squarespace as well, and it's just it's just so easy to build a website on it. Honestly, it's it's it is. If they would want to sponsor this podcast, uh, <laughs> <you're> welcome. <laughs> but um, no, I've used them for ages, and they've been their uh, help team is fantastic as well. So it's great. So as you're as you're a Squarespace specialist, outside of all this stuff, that like, what could I be doing? Um, extra specifically to Squarespace? So um, the first thing is obviously connect your website to Google Search Console so that if there's something wrong with the mobile version of the site, which does happen sometimes, you'll be notified and you can correct it. Um, the biggest thing I think is to keep in mind that on the mobile version, sometimes links can be a little bit too close together. Google likes it when you keep links for their part on mobile because you know when people are in their car and trying to click something or whatever, um, right. It's, you know, they might have, you know, larger fingers or it might be hard for them to <laughs> or drive 100 to... mile an hour and down the road and try <laughs> yeah, to exactly. So if you design it to be um, to make it user friendly for people using their fingers on a tiny screen, um, that can be really helpful. <laughs> I'm sorry. Got... Oh, someone in the house. Look at that. There you go. Sorry. That happens from time to time. <laughs> I hear you. It happens here, too. I was hoping it wouldn't today and it hasn't. So that's good. <laughs> My phone never rings unless it's this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, making sure that links are spaced far enough apart, making sure that text is large enough on mobile devices so that it's very readable. Um, sometimes, you know, certain Squarespace blocks are not that great on mobile. Um, for example, summary carousels I found uh, just kind of look odd sometimes, especially on 7.1, uh, the new the new Squarespace platform. Um, they can they don't look mobile friendly. So sometimes what can help is just um, literally using CSS code to hide that entire block and mm -hmm. replacing it with a like a grid summary on mobile. Um, so you just hide the grid summary on desktop and you hide the carousel on mobile and it works well. Um, so I, I do things like that a lot um, just to customize it and make it a little bit more. Um, I often change font sizes on mobile, things like that. And I actually have a blog post on uh, how to edit your Squarespace website on the mobile version uh, using CSS, which is, you know, gives you the basic code to start with. Oh, nice. That's yeah, really that's cool. cool. Yeah. I might chat with you uh, in a minute about after the end of the podcast <laughs> about, about working together or doing something uh, yeah. about, about our podcast uh, website. But um, yeah, that's really, that's, that's a great start to people listening, for people listening to, to get started on social media, uh, get started on SEO. <laughs> And, uh, and their websites and start like making it better because um, like you say we all lack it and we're all always moaning about not being able to find ourselves on so on google and um, i'm addicted to social mm -hmm. media i keep saying the word social media what is wrong with me um it's how we're trained <laughs> to think right social media first <laughs> seo second but you know yeah. i noticed when because i i worked on my seo for a year before i ranked on page one again for those core keywords right. and the day that i went from page two to page one it was like a, a flip had been switch, a switch had been flipped. It was, um, you know, my, my inquiries tripled overnight. Yeah. And that's, wow. that's really what SEO can do for your business. Yeah. So I, I just encourage people to, to really think about that as, as a primary strategy. Cause it's, um, it's probably the most valuable strategy I've ever used. And 80% of my traffic comes from search engines. So. Isn't it interesting? That, like we always, really interesting. We're, we're, especially, we're always, sorry, go on. 
I was just gonna say, especially I mean, you've had this conversation, Mark, but mm. I know that I I do, and I know that a lot of other designers do put so much weight on social media, thinking yeah. that's where your clients are gonna come from. But I don't know if that's an experience or like because we're so I don't know maybe addicted to it. You just yeah, you expect that that's where you'll find your client base and you'll you'll advertise your work or whatever. But the SEO is so much more important, and I Absolutely. think so many people forget that. Well, and capturing that traffic, I mean, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to um, be building your email list and using that traffic to build your email list because, you know, you don't own your social media accounts. You really ultimately have no control over them. If Instagram wants to shut you down because they think you broke a rule, they can. Um, You know, even with Google, an algorithm change can kick you off. It's a lot less likely, I think, than, than being affected by algorithm changes on social media. Um, but it can still happen. But once you get those people in the door, if you can get them to sign it for your email list, you own that list. It's yours. Mm-hmm. And that can be a huge um, potential stream of income for clients for if you want to go down the road of, of creating digital products or, you know, um, you know, making your, your business more passive in terms of how you're, where your income streams come from, um, that can be really helpful. And, you know, the other thing is that SEO and blogging combined um, can create income streams of their own. I make a pretty good chunk of money each month just from affiliate income from blog posts that I've written. I don't have to work for it anymore. I did the work once and it's done and the income keeps coming in. So that can be an incredibly valuable way to grow your business um, and create income streams where you don't have to constantly be trading your time for money, which is something that I think a lot of people are trying to move away from. That, that is really interesting. How, how do you get into doing the affiliate links? And is... Yeah, so, um, well, a good example is I recently, um, a few months ago, um, joined Flowdesk, which is a new email marketing platform, and I just wanted to test it out, and I fell in love with it. Um, I ended up not switching over myself because I needed certain features it didn't have, but I wrote a whole guide to Flowdesk on my blog, which was very comprehensive, um, which the company itself called it more comprehensive than their help center, um, which is the goal, right? Um, And so I, and I included my affiliate link for Flowdesk in that. um, And, you know, every month now, once it, you know, you give it a month to kind of get Google to recognize that you wrote this thing and then to figure out where you're supposed to rank. And now, um, you know, I get uh, $200 plus just from that affiliate link. Wow. Um, And, you know, I, just did another one with ConvertKit, which isn't ranking yet, but I'm hoping it will and start bringing in money from there. Um, I've done, like, there was a post I wrote about uh, Squarespace plugins, um, and a few of those were affiliate links. And, you know, I get um, hundreds, hundreds of dollars each month just from that post. So I don't have to work for it again. I've already done yeah. the work. I've written the post. I've plugged in those affiliate links and you know, it's really helpful. And it's a great way to start the month because most affiliate payouts happen on the first. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're most stressed, right? You don't know how yeah. this month is going to go. Am I going to make my income goals? Can I pay my bills? You know, all of that stuff. And so if you can get, you know, $600 rolling in on the first, just from your affiliate stuff, that's a nice way to that's start great. the month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels really good. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend, you know, getting into affiliate marketing. Um, so Sorry to sound if I sound really naive, but I, I know that a lot of other designers might have this question as well. How do you actually get affiliate links in the first place? So you have to join in the affiliate program for that product that you're promoting. Right. Um, okay. And you don't have to actually promote the product. I think this is one thing that a lot of people um, 
they feel like they don't want to get into affiliate marketing because it feels sleazy. Like they're yeah. just writing that's content. That's not done it as much in the podcast. Yeah. You know, and and that's something that, um, you, for example, I'll use my Flowdesk post again just because that's been so profitable. Um, it was a really comprehensive review of Flowdesk. I highlighted all of the benefits and the negatives, and I let people make their own decision. Yeah. And that's what I do with most of my affiliate, unless it's a product that I just wholeheartedly recommend. I make it really clear. Um, I've even in the past said, like, I don't recommend this product. I think it stinks. But if you choose to buy it anyway, yeah, here's my affiliate yeah. link. You know, and, and so you don't have to be sleazy about it. Just putting it out there and saying and marking it clearly. Let everyone know that it is an affiliate yeah. link. Um, being really honest and upfront about that and about how you feel about the product is really the best way to go about it um and then you know it's not gonna it's not gonna negatively affect your reputation and you're not gonna you know come across as a sleazy salesperson because um, you don't want to be obviously um and I, I recommend starting by you know just joining affiliate programs of products that you recommend which is almost exclusively what i do i don't typically um i don't typically do the whole i don't recommend this but if you want to anymore um just because yeah. that that doesn't make you money right yeah, you know, they're not recommending it. It's not going to make you very much money. So stick with stick with the ones that you recommend or, you know, if you have two products in the same doing the same thing that you recommend, then give people a choice. That's the best way to go. This this is one thing that uh, I've, I've tried in the past, but sort of stayed away from um, more recently because of I've seen friends and people not not say it's affiliate links and then, you know. I don't know. I've got friends that run, you know, uh, people like Tom Ross at Design Cuts. You know, they run um, affiliate programs which I've signed up to in the past, but I've not pushed as much as I could have done and made a little bit of money. But I don't know. If, I think it's in my account with them. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I just always felt it's a bit sleazy, and I think they're doing it the right way um, and making it clear that it is an affiliate link. Yeah, I think people are so used best. to seeing them now as well that it doesn't put people off, and especially yeah. it's, it, it wouldn't do because. The, at the end of the day, people are looking at your content because they want to support you. So mm. if they right. know that that affiliate link is going to support you, there's no reason why they wouldn't click on it. You may as well tell yeah. them. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, make sure that you're following all of the laws and you're, you know, mm. there's probably different UK laws than there are here. Here we have the FCC, which governs that. Um, so we have to place, you know, in order to comply, which almost no one does, by the way, almost no one actually complies with the FCC guidelines, um, which is something that I've noticed. And it really kind of, not that I... I'm a huge fan of the FCC for a number of reasons, but in this case, I think it is a good idea to to make it clear um, where an affiliate link is placed in an article. So I always put an affiliate disclaimer near the top of the blog post, like a full disclaimer, and then um, I like put a little asterisk next yeah. to the actual affiliate link, and I say that that's how they're marked. Um, so making it really clear before someone clicks on the link not sticking it down at the bottom of a blog post. Someone's mm -hmm. already clicked, they've already purchased, and then they scroll down and, oh, that was an affiliate link. Like, that's not, you want them to see it before they click on the link. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, I'm thinking about, for, for, like, for monetizing the podcast and making some money that we've lost back, well, not lost, but invested <laughs> in the podcast back. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think about doing the Patreon thing again. I'm just, just, just yeah. setting it up and leaving it on the website. And then if anyone does want to donate, feel free but if not feel free fine just use the all the research use all the resources we're putting out use use the hundreds and thousands of fonts and mock-ups and textures that we've got on the website <laughs> and it's fine you can use it but if you do want to give us a coffee here and then i think that might be a better way of doing it a more friendly way of doing it um, a lot of a lot of websites do do that don't they just so yeah. do, do you want to buy us a coffee type thing 
Mm. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Oh, we'll chat about it between the new Creative Waffle co-hosts. And we'll see what happens. See what we can do. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. This this has been really good. We really really appreciate uh, you coming on the podcast and um, yeah, of course. Chat about yeah, it. Yeah, that has been it's brilliant. Been, yeah, it's been fun. I, I've really enjoyed this. Lots of actionable points to take forward, and hopefully, yeah, it's really useful for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple of uh, questions we like to ask at the end that are a bit deeper and and find out a bit more about yourself. Um, yeah. There. So the first one is, what is your best purchase under a hundred hundred dollars? Because you're in America. <laughs> um, oh gosh, my best purchase under a hundred dollars. It doesn't have um, to be design related. It can be literally anything. It probably <laughs> is going to be design related though, because. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not much of a shopper, I guess. So, um, but man, my best purchase, I mean, I suppose a generic one would be literally any book on my bookshelf would be probably <laughs> one of the best under hundred dollar purchases. I love to read. And I think that any, any time that you spend money on something that you can learn, um, that's, that's a really good way to, to do it. Um, but I would say, you know, under a hundred dollars, in my business, um, would probably have to be ConvertKit, which is my email marketing platform because it's it's been so valuable in my business. Um, Interesting. But in real life, you know, or or house plants. I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> there's so many different things I could name. Um, yeah, I can I can emphasize with that. I have a lot of plants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um I kill them a lot, but also yeah, I have a few that I've managed to keep alive. The one behind me has been alive for about a decade now, so that's wow. an accomplishment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say I would say, you know, a book, any book that I've kept over the years would be would be one of my best investments. Nice, good answer. I got, I recently got some cactuses. It's just over there in the back. <laughs> oh, very, very easy, easy to keep alive. I've killed oh, them yeah. before, though. <laughs> Although I killed a succulent um, last yeah, year. I have And too. I had no idea how I did <laughs> I think you can overwater them. I don't think that was what happened with me. I definitely underwatered it. But I do think apparently <laughs> with, with succulents, especially, you can overwater them and just drown them. <laughs> mm. Yeah. No, I think that I think I drowned mine because I'm always afraid of underwatering because that's what my tendency is. And I think I took that fear and then just drowned the poor thing. <laughs> yeah, we should start a plant done. podcast. Still a plant yeah. podcast. Um, Sub podcast. <laughs> then the next one, next one uh, on the list is what gets you up in the morning? What makes you motivated and, and makes you want to keep going? I think for me, it's I really enjoy the mental exercise of running my business. I, I like strategy. Um, I, I like sorting out structures and stuff in my head. So when I'm working on a client project or even when I'm just working on some aspect of my own business, it's the mental challenge that keeps me going. I think that I probably would have quit and done something else a long time ago if, um, if I didn't enjoy the mental challenge so much. It's, it's having something different to do every day. No, no two days are the same. I would get bored to tears doing a job that, where it was just the same thing every day. That's what yeah. I like about running a business is, is the mental challenge. Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. Um, the, the last question is, is how do you want to be remembered? <laughs> oh gosh, that's deep. I have to think <laughs> about that one. Um, I think I'd like to be remembered as someone who helped as many people as possible within my with my particular skill set. I, I want to be remembered as someone who um, 
who provided value in people's lives. And I don't mean that as a marketing term. I mean, actual, like, I want to help people grow businesses that make them happier and help their families and things like that. It's not just about, you know, making a certain dollar amount. It's about um, making, making a difference to them and their business, making, yeah, making a, a difference so that they can build a business that makes them happy. Right. That, that's what it's all about. It's just, I feel like our economy, particularly in America, because we have a very type A personality, work yourself to death kind of culture. It's, it's so bad. <laughs> and I think that if I can help inspire people to build businesses that allow them to actually spend time with their family, to actually maintain um, their sense of mental health and wellness, um, then that's a big accomplishment because we're right now as a culture, we're very far afield of that. And I think people are starting to wake up to the fact that if we don't change that, we're all going to die of heart attacks by the time we're 50 because <laughs> we're all so stressed out. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just want to be remembered as someone who provided people with what they needed to, to get to that point in their lives that helped them get there and meet their goals. That's really nice. Really nice. That's good. Uh, I did. I did miss a question. Uh, what, do you have any life advice uh, for younger designers or, or um, younger people out there? I mean, you're pretty young, so I mean, yeah, you know, anyone around our age. Yeah, um, I would say um, it's not a competition. It's not a race. Um, it's very easy to compare yourself to other people, and it's very easy to feel like somehow you're weird for not having succeeded earlier or. Um, for not knowing what you want to do until you're 25 or 30 or whatever it is. Um, and it's completely normal. Um, this, you, you don't have to follow some sort of path. I didn't go to college. Um, that yeah, just isn't the direction that my life took me in. Um, you don't have to, um, you know, well, you both mentioned that you still live with your folks. Uh, I do too. Um, you don't have to like leave your family to to start a life a certain type of life you need to be happy for you um you don't need to follow some sort of path that someone else has set for you um not just to be fulfilled but to be um successful you can be wildly successful and and not follow the standard what's expected of you and I think that we need, really need to get away from that as a culture of, of expecting that everyone's going to follow the same path because everyone's life is dramatically different. Everyone has different life experiences. Everyone has different trauma. Um, and so you don't have to, to follow that yellow brick road to Oz. <laughs> and a lot of people get there and they pull back the curtain and they realize that they're miserable. So go your own way now and you'll save yourself a lot of heartache, I think. I think that's, that's that's important. Yeah, very good yeah. advice. Yeah, that's great. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Check you out on social media and say hello. Yeah, you can go to my website, katescott.co, not .com, katescott.co. <laughs> um, you can uh, follow me on Instagram uh, at katescottco um, and Pinterest at katescottco. Um, so yeah. Nice. One one last thing I completely forgot to mention, and you just reminded me: domain names. Do, the more you have, is that better or not? <laughs> um, I think if you feel like you're going to use a domain name for something, then reserve it while you can. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't maintain a lot of domain names. I actually let go of my old blog. I let go of the domain name and I just saw it the other day. It's for sale for like $1,500. And I was like, how did I do oh. that? I could have sold it. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so if you've built up value on a domain name, then definitely hang on to it and, and sell it. 
Um, but otherwise, I, I don't think that you have to build up a whole bunch of domain names. If you're targeting a certain keyword and you want um, domains that have that keyword in it, then you know reserve them now. And then if you decide not to use them later, then you can cut them loose. But um, I don't think you have to like have this whole, you know, you, you could end up paying hundreds of dollars a year just reserving these domain names. So mm. I don't think it's that, <coughs> that big of a deal. What about different versions of, of like your domain name, like the .co.com, .co.uk? Would you, do you think it helps to have? Um, <laughs> I probably, see, I have a very common name. I mean, Kate Scott is like, you know, and there's another Kate Scott in the US who is a sportscaster and she's way more famous than I am. So, oh, um, nice. so you know, um, and she has katescott.com. So that hasn't hurt me at all, um, you know, because people aren't searching for my name. Usually they're searching for Squarespace. And when they are searching for my name, as I found out when I looked at my Google search console, they're searching Kate Scott Squarespace, which right. pulls me up right away because we're in very different industries. Yeah. Um, so, but I would say like if, for example, if you're purchasing um, a domain name for your name, um, then definitely reserve like .com, uh, .co, maybe .net, and then dot, um, what is it in the UK? uk. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, then I would I would do that and I would say if you if you have like a studio name like if your studio is I don't know laughing dog studio or something <laughs> um, then I would um, definitely reserve your name as well mm. if you can okay. but that's about it that's the extent always reserve your name and the name of your studio but other than that I don't think you have to go further than that nice there you go that's yeah. the podcast thank you very much <laughs> thank you <laughs> Thanks. That's been really helpful. Really good. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle podcast. Me and Millie uh, really enjoyed this episode. We learned a lot from Kate as well. Fantastic stuff. And there'll be a written up article on the Creative Waffle website very shortly after this is live. All of the tips and summary of the podcast. So you can check out other episodes over there as well, creativewaffle.com. Uh, we really are trying to build a big blog page now, a blog website. We've got tons of different uh, resources on there as well for free. Uh, and we will be building out the Creative Waffle Index. That'll be out very shortly as well. Loads of different resources, free things, free mockups, free websites, free everything. Discounts as well for our partners. As mentioned before at the start of the episode, we've got discounts for partners and affiliate links down in the description, which help us out as well. Um, but yeah, main partner at the moment is Logo Pack Express. If you're wanting to export your logos really quick, uh, have them nice and neatly organized, have them different versions, all the like, files and extensions you'd ever need, then check out Logo Pack Express down in the description, $20 off your purchase through our affiliate link. And that gives us kickback as well. So that helps out the podcast, helps us to invest in the podcast. And yeah, check it out. So we hope you enjoy the podcast and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Oh.